This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. No matter where you started, where you are now, or where you've been, you too can lead an authentic, first-class life. Each week, new stories of turning points and transformation will help you define what success means to you so you can live your best life on your terms. Now here's your host, first-class life mentor and certified Profiting From Your Passions coach, Kate Fessler. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler. There's a lot going on in the world today that we couldn't possibly have foreseen. Or could we? Is it really possible that we're all here at this particular time in this particular space for a reason? Is there a way to know what you should be doing and where you should be heading in your life? My guest today, Lisa Bowles, has the answers. Hailing from Ontario, Canada, Lisa Bowles is a small business coach and consultant who uses a unique blend of astrology and coaching to help change agents, purposeful entrepreneurs, and thought leaders clarify their purpose and then answer their current calling through business, all while restoring the soul of business itself. Named one of 2011's fastest growing inspirational businesses, in past professional lives, Lisa was a consumer goods and services media marketing specialist as well as the talk radio host of Toronto's Small Business Big Ideas show. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, thank you for inviting me. It's good to be here. Let's start with your background. In one of your past professional lives, you were a consumer goods and services media marketing specialist. What (laughs) does that mean? Um, Love those titles, don't you? Um, (laughs) Essentially, I was the person who went searching for new products for the infomercial business. I worked for an infomercial marketing company um, for uh, close to six years. And I, uh, along with other members of a very small team, we would go out and talk to new inventors and, and really just scope out the latest innovations in a variety of uh, markets, you know, kitchen goods, household goods, those kinds of things, and look for the things that we thought would meet the needs of of people on, um, you know, kind of out on the edge of things. Um, and then from there, you know, if and there was a lot of misses, but there were a lot of really good things that that came through. Uh, and and if a product really did hit the right spot with people, then we would develop a plan to help that product make its way out into all the the possible ways and means that someone could come in contact with it and purchase it. So um, newsprint, magazines, television, radio, retail, online, just right across the board. So um, I found it fascinating and disturbing. Um, The industry itself was kind of disturbing. (laughs) Disturbing Um, in what way? Um. Infomercial marketing is um, besides being super annoying. Well, there's (laughs) that, and you know, there's a lot of hype to it. Ah, 
there's there's and that didn't sit well with me at all <clears throat> the working in the industry so i went into it for a couple of reasons one um i was fascinated by um the the use of storytelling in television to help people connect with a product that mm. actually could do really good things for them mm -hmm. um the the development of a story the 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 telling of it in a television format short and long form it just fascinated me what what had people get excited what didn't have them get get excited you know and and then product development itself the product the the process of innovation and you know finding the right place to be um and not creating and i'll just say this not creating crap because you can just sell it because mm -hmm. there's a lot of that stuff <laughs> That was another part of the, the business that just didn't do it for me. So mm -hmm. I learned a lot. It was a great experience. And eventually I just, the industry and I parted company because I, in, a, in a manner of speaking, my principles just wouldn't let me stay. So mm -hmm. um, was that, I was, was very your... grateful for it because it let me develop a nose for innovation to, to get a feel for um, what, what, consumers what clients and customers were likely going to want and it serves me really well today so there's mm. there, that has stayed with me yeah was your um was your radio show toronto small business big ideas related to that no well yes and no um the radio show was kind of it was it was trippy how that happened when i was in college i actually took radio broadcasting in college. I'd intended to go into radio. Um, you have a great radio voice. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I just love the format. Um, the trouble was at the time that I was, uh, you know, my last year of college, it was really difficult to get any kind of employment. And a lot of the people I knew, even the people who are like way more talented than me, were taking unpaid internships, you know, the Helen gone to, um, you know, just get their foot in the door anywhere. And I just wasn't in a financial position to do that and eat too. So, mm. um, I ended up and, and again, there, you know, the business was changing. Radio was changing. It's kind of the way it is with newspapers today. It was at the early stages of a really substantial sea change and no one really knew what was coming and, a lot of things were very uncertain. So I, I just got this gut feel that it wasn't going to go the direction I wanted it to go, which was disappointing and practical. Like I just mm -hmm. you know, got to move on. And all those years later, <laughs> I was in my very first mastermind meeting. And one of the guys I met in the meeting, and we ended up becoming really good friends. He was the producer uh, at the station. and he, you know, we're just chit-chatting, getting to know each other. And he heard me say, you know, I'd been in college for radio broadcasting. He looked at me and he goes, how come you didn't finish? And this is before I knew he was a producer. And mm -hmm. I told him the story and he goes, that was such and such a year. And I looked at him and I went, yeah, how did you know that? And he goes, because a lot of people's butts got kicked that those, those couple of years. So he, he just kept it to himself for a while. Didn't he had the idea right off the bat, but he wanted to get to know me better. And probably three, four, four months into the mastermind experience, he just said, "What do you think? Sunday mornings, 
you you pretty much have your your say over who's on the show as long as it addresses the needs and concerns of small business people um you know invite anybody you want on the show and i was just like really <laughs> mm, wow so it had me out on the edge with innovation in particularly in small business and i just had a blast we were on the air um for four years and um i, I was in a really advantaged position not all that many hosts get to decide who they talk to. Mm -hmm. But I was in a unique position. They didn't have a huge budget. I wasn't getting paid a lot of money, but I, I had the run of the show in terms of who I spoke to and what we spoke about as long as it was in those parameters. And it was a great four years. I loved every minute of it. Mm. And why did why you did stop? I moved. My husband and I left the city. We bought a little cottage property on Lake Huron and I was suddenly three hours away and it just wasn't going to work to, you know, draw to do a 9 a.m. Sunday morning show when I had to drive in from a three hour drive was not going to work. Three hour drive there, <laughs> three hour drive back every single week. No, I don't think so. Thanks. Mm. It's been fun, guys, but I got to go. <laughs> How did you become interested in astrology? Well, that's a longer story. Uh, when I was in my late teens, um, you know, I, I had an experience that um, showed me I had a talent. It wasn't with astrology. It was with Tarot. Um, my mom and dad were... I was raised in an Irish Catholic farming community and that kind of stuff, you just didn't go anywhere near because there was just this boogity boogity thing about it. Right. So I didn't have an awful lot to do with it unless I was hanging around with friends from school. Well, um, one lazy, very hazy summer day, a, a girlfriend and I, and we, we had finished high school. We were, you know, trying to figure out what we we're going to do with our lives. Um, early twenties. And not feeling terribly confident, either one of us. And uh, we were hanging out um, on, a, on a Saturday, and I ran across a package of tarot cards. And, you know, we were just goofing around. So I bought them, um, mostly to goof around, but because I had, you know, this kind of ooh, walking on the wild side interest at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I spent the whole weekend goofing around with them. And by the end of the, the second day, um, my friend and I realized that I was, because I'd never held a deck in my hand before. I'd never, I hadn't really studied them, but I knew things. I couldn't explain how I knew them, but I did. And to hear her say what I was thinking, um, confirmed for me that something was going on I really couldn't explain. And um, when I was a young person, I, um, like a lot of people, I, I really didn't feel like I was one of the cool kids. I didn't really feel terribly popular. Um, and so being able to say I could do this thing made me popular. And again, I was really young. I was in my early 20s. I, I didn't have an awful lot of maturity or experience um, and didn't really think a whole lot about what I was doing beyond the fact that I could do this thing 
and people were greatly interested in it. So I, I would, you know, go to people's houses, we'd get together, or they'd invite me to a get together, and I would do this thing with the cards. Well, about a year, 18 months in, I, um, I'd laid out a spread for a woman who was in her early 40s. I was, I was at her home. Um, she was someone I worked with. And I looked at the cards and my heart dropped because mm. they said she was ill, that her marriage was going to end, and a male close to her was going to die. Oh, no. And I did not know what to do. And all of a sudden, this wasn't fun and games anymore. This was not, I had just never pause to consider that what I was that, that it, this wasn't to be played with it was mm -hmm. worthy of respect and careful use and um it, it wasn't about getting attention it was about giving attention and in that moment I I just I had no idea what to do and every eye in the room was on me and that's you know I just wanted to crawl under the carpet she broke the, the silence and said, do they tell you I'm sick? Mm. So and she knew. She knew. Um, and again, my heart fell because if that, because I kept saying into my head, I like, maybe I'm just making this stuff up. Maybe, you know, may, maybe this is the time uh, 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 it'll all blow up in my face. And the fact that she said that, and that was the first of the three, was like, oh, God, no, I'm seeing it right. Mm. So I just reached out my hands and started scooping the cards up together to, you know, to put them away. And I said, yes, they do. And she said, wait, what are you doing? What else does it say? And I looked at her and I said, that's enough, isn't it? Mm. And she said, she, took, she didn't press. What she said was, yeah, I heard last Friday that I have cancer. Hmm. It's early stages, so I should be okay. But, and everyone in the room was just like dumbstruck. And I couldn't put those cards away fast enough. I just, it scared me to death. Um, I don't remember what happened the rest of that night. What I do remember is when I got home, I took those cards and I put them at the very back of the deepest closet I had, and I didn't touch them again until it was time to move and only to throw them away. And mm -hmm. that, and I just closed the chapter. I never thought about it again until I was in my 40s. Um, I was newly married. I was actually, it was my 40th birthday. And I was in, uh, I was newly married. I was a step parent for the first time, a mortgage holder for the first time. Um, I'd found my career, I'd really gone through a big career adjustment. I was now working at, entrepreneurially as a coach and I loved it, but something wasn't quite on. So I'd heard that there was an astrologer who was also, she was a radio show host from the West Coast. She was a Jungian therapist who used astrology and I was like fascinated. And kind of as a lark, although at heart, I was also hoping she might be able to tell me something that would help, you know, clear up my confusion about. So I got this, I, I, I've just met this gorgeous guy, love and adore him, got married, things are going well. 
but I feel confused. Something's not quite on what's going on. Um, but I, I did it mostly on a lark. I hired her because she was in the area to do an astrology session for me. And I'd heard her on the air and she was good. So I trusted her. But I, I you know, I, I kind of went in with it mostly for fun. It was for my birthday. And if she told me something interesting that cleared things that, you know, so much the better. But I didn't really have high expectations. About halfway through the session, she stopped, leaned in, looked at the chart, looked up at me, looked back at it again, put her finger on some squiggle. <laughs> <laughs> I know what it is now, but, and she, she looked me dead in the eye. You know, that gaze, you just wish some it was like right into your soul. Mm-hmm. That this says you can do what I'm doing right now and would probably do it a lot better. And mm-hmm. I guess you could tell by the look on my face that I knew something. Mm-hmm. And she said, what are you not telling me and why aren't you doing it? And I went all the way back to that moment with the cards. And I hadn't thought about it in a long time. So I told her. And she said, well, you can avoid this if you want to. But I I don't think you're going to find the answers you're looking for unless you address this. Mm. Because people just don't have this kicking around in their chart unless they're meant to do something with it. And by the way, it's in the house of purposeful work. So, you know, good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I went home, told my, you know, relatively new husband. We'd only been together about a year in a bit at that point, married a year and a bit. And um, he just kind of looked at me and went, meh. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Um, and for the next week, 10 days, I couldn't sleep. I, I had very fitful, restless sleep. I, um, I couldn't get it out of my mind. I just couldn't get it out of my mind. I didn't like that I couldn't get it out of my mind, but I couldn't get it out of my mind. And he could see that it was, you know, messing with me. So he said, look, why don't you just call her, tell her what happened, find out if there's a next step. If it's not outrageous, take it, see what, see where it goes. You're not giving up anything else. So, you know, there's room. Let's see what happens. Well, I, I hired her. She was, again, she was going to be in the area. So she spent a day with me teaching me the foundational basics of astrology and once again I could do things I could see things by the end of the second day the second day she had clients come and she would do a reading for them and then she would turn to me and say what do you see and eight times out of eight I had things to say she hadn't and it was striking for everybody in the room and you know the end of the day, she goes, you do things with this that can't be taught. Mm. And I looked at her and a and shiver went up my back. The trouble was I had spent a great deal of time, you know, transitioning from my corporate work into entrepreneurial work as a, as a coach and a consultant. And, you know, the idea of introducing astrology just didn't make sense to me. Um, it had been four years of, of study and training and then, um, you know, getting accredited and building credibility and, you know, all that stuff. And 
and now I'm supposed to tell people I do this? You gotta be crazy, they'll think I'm a nut job. Uh, and I didn't see the fit, I really didn't. You know, to me, like for most people, astrology was, you know, in magazines, in the back of the newspapers, it was entertainment, it wasn't really, it didn't have long, like deep value. I just couldn't see the connection. But the fascination door was wide open and I couldn't put that away. That was, that's, that, that tap was turned on and that was all there was to it. So I, um, I practiced for a couple of years very much on the QT. I didn't really tell people in a public sense, but I, um, I practiced quietly with people I knew would keep it to themselves. Hmm. And, um, kept doing what I was doing in, in terms of my coaching and consulting business, but things continued not to feel quite right until the feeling of it not quite right was just, it was dragging the business. And then um, in the summer of 2007, a little over 10 years ago, you know, 10 and a half years ago, two dear friends who had also been clients, they were both of them in different ways going through some really difficult stuff in their work life and professional life. And they both had birthdays coming. So I said, look, I do this thing. You got to keep it to yourself. Why don't I do it for you? And I didn't have a name at that point. Why don't I do this for you? And that'll be your birthday gift. The only thing is you, you really do. You have to promise me you're not going to tell anybody. This is just between us. And they asked me what it was, and I told them both, and they kind of got quiet and said, really, I've known you all this time? And they didn't say that. Well, they, I explained, nut job, yada, yada. <laughs> <laughs> and they both, you know, okay, let's do this. How do we go about this? And, you know, because I'd kept this at arm's length, I was practicing, but I didn't really devote myself to what was going on. Beyond the fact that it was astrological and I was – you know, getting myself really well versed in how I used it, I didn't, because I hadn't seen the connect, the value connection, there was still a lot of it I hadn't seen, you know, my own process and what it could offer people and et cetera, et cetera. So they both joined me on the phone for an hour. We recorded the session. Um, what I've learned since then, 10 plus years later is, you know, um, in order to do a really good job with what I'm able to do, which is not certainly not, you know, your normal astrology is I, I had, eventually had to break it up into three sessions because it was just too much really important, very targeted information to, you know, try and squish it into an hour. But that day with, with each of them, that's exactly what I tried to do because I just couldn't, I hadn't gotten close enough to it to see what it needed, what they needed. But having said that, within, I don't know, six, seven, eight weeks, each of them got back to me and um, in their own unique ways said this, uh, different versions of the same thing. And one was, you have no idea what this did for me. And then gave me a shopping list of the changes that they, that they had been able to make that they couldn't make until we did this. Oh. because it gave them such clarity and understanding about what they were, what, I mean, really what was going on and why it was going on and what they could do about it. 
Um, and in both in their professional lives, one was employed and the other one was in, in uh, her own business. And, and in their personal lives, the other one, one of them was having a really, really difficult time in a new marriage and she was gravely concerned they weren't going to make it. And this flipped the switch. This changed everything. They're still together and happy today. Um, and I, you know, I was flabbergasted. I was literally flabbergasted. Um, both of these women were coaches and gave me feedback about what they'd experienced and what it had done that helped me understand the value given its application to purpose. See, what I do with astrology is when I look at essentially what, what most people call the, the birth chart, I call that the soul map. This is the map of your full potential lived when you understand what your purpose is and you know how to lean in and help yourself fulfill it, particularly through work or business. And um, I, in the, those two, I don't know why those two sessions, everything sort of began to click but it did maybe it was because it was I was more relaxed they were dear dear friends and they understood me and I understood them and I understood their their situation their predicament really well um so I might have applied it a little bit differently and um one thing led to another and I just got the value I understood suddenly what this could be mm. um I was still really nervous about admitting to anybody that I use astrology in any way professionally because I, I thought it was going to blow up the business I'd worked so hard to create and again I, I was fairly newly married I, I had all these responsibilities at that point my husband was not working it was after 2011 and his job was gone um, and so, you know, to even think about introducing it, it was, it was a, a kind of a chilling proposition because it's one thing to risk when you're on your own. It's another thing to risk when you got two kids and a mortgage and a husband at home. Right. Um, so two things got me. One, uh, because I had the recordings, I asked both my friends if I could play them for him so he could hear what had happened. Um, and he just, he was wide-eyed and said, I, I really didn't understand, but now I do. Mm. And I think you have to do this. I was like, oh my God. And then one of the, the two women I'd done it for said, look, you've just told me I have a couple of superpowers. I've been, you know, hiding in the closet and you've challenged me to go public with them. I'm going to do the same thing. I dare you to go public with yours. Mm, good for and, her. Yeah. And as a coach, she said, look, you know, just put it out there for 30 days, build a tiny little website, tell the people you haven't told and see what happens. And if it really does start to blow things up, like you're afraid it will, then shut up, take the website down, stop talking about it. People have very short memories. You know, we're not always thinking about you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think you owe it to yourself to see what this would do. And frankly, um, and they both said this, both these ladies, they said, you know, honestly, I was struggling for a while. You could have told me about this more than a year ago and you didn't do that. And honestly, I'm, I'm a little ticked with you. Oh, you were concerned about what this would do to you. 
so much that you didn't stop to consider what it might do for me. Mm-hmm. And that's what got me. Mm-hmm. So between my husband's vote of, yeah, I think maybe you should do this, the dare and the, wait a minute, you were not you were thinking about you so much that you didn't even stop to consider what this might do for me. I went, okay, fine. We put together a tiny little website. And at that point, all I knew to say, here's the marketing, you know, genius over here. <laughs> and I, I really did not know what to say. I, I, I you know. When you get, when something is that close to your heart and a deep soulful fascination, it gets really tricky to represent it um, because it's so close to you and because you, you know, feels like you have a lot on the table. Mm -hmm. Um, So we put together a really, really small website. I only said what I knew to say and really I retold those stories. That's how I started. Mm Mm-hmm. I did this. This is what happened. If this sounds like a good plan to you, you know, here's the button. And then I, we published it. I ran to the bathroom and threw up. That's how afraid I was. Wow. I literally lost my lunch. And then I fulfilled the rest of the, the dare. She asked me to make a list of 20 people I hadn't told because I was afraid of what they think of me and started making phone calls. And, um, I was floored because I thought this was going to blow up my business. And and the truth is it did, but not the way I was afraid. In a Um, good way. In a good way. You know, I I had 20 conversations, 19 of them ended with, so when could we do this and how much do you charge? You could have knocked me over with a feather. I had, it was the last thing I anticipated. And over the course of the next six months, I was booked solid for months in advance. It took me a good year to get the demand under control. I was working six days a week, about 10 hours a day. And um, that's kind of how that went. And and my dear sweet husband, he's the one that named it. It just popped out of his mouth one day. And he said, you're actually mapping the roadmap to someone's fulfillment. And I went, okay, yeah, all right. That makes sense. And, yeah. and that's, that's the story. That's the story. That's the well, story. We've got to take a short break. When we come back, the collective consciousness and your soul map. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's virtual office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Kate Fessler. Welcome back. You are listening to Change Redefining Success. I'm Kate Fessler, and my guest today is Lisa Bowles. Lisa, you talked about these individual charts, but there's also more of a collective consciousness chart that gives us some insight into the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. What's that all about? Well, I once I began to realize that um, what is typically known in astrology as a birth chart is really a map of someone's purpose in life in, in extraordinary detail. I started 
looking at the chart of the day. So um, it was actually just idle interest. Um, I, I would just take a quick look at the map for the day and then watch the news to see if what I could see in the map actually started to show up in some way in life. And sure enough, it did. So over the course of the next couple of years, I started um, tracking it to see how often that actually happened. And it made sense if it, you know, if I could look at an individual's map and, and it was accurate, it made sense that I could look at the map for all of us um, and that it would be accurate. Mm. And um, what I started to see is not just the map of the day, but then I'd look forward. Not too, too far, maybe, you know, a month at a time or a year at a time to see what cultural moves, because really uh, a birth chart is a map of archetypal shifts and, and archetypes are um, patterns, cultural patterns that uh, are trying to express themselves through us. It's the culture attempting to express itself into its own fulfillment. Did I say that in a way that made sense? It makes sense to me. Okay. So when, um, if you take for granted that we collectively are a soul, a great big one, and that collectively we have a purpose, and that collectively the archetype, archetypal shifts are kind of foreshadowing of the directions we might go in terms of our own development and reactions to shifts and changes in the culture, then we can actually begin to loosely foretell um, general themes. And um, so back in, I think it was 2012, I started doing a monthly broadcast. I call it Soul Map Live where we would actually look at the big map, the collective map, um, a month ahead of time and tracking to see, you know, what's likely to come, what it's likely going to feel like, what you can do to help yourself navigate through that or optimize opportunities. Um, where are the big changes going to come and, and would that be useful in your work or your business? And um, I, I was floored. People were just, you know, would run with the information and I kept getting reports back that, it was making it was it was actually helping them make really smart time driven decisions and um so i've been doing it once a month every month since 2012 so 5 5 years now um when i was preparing um to finish the year i think it was 2016 i thought to myself well why don't we start looking as far ahead as a whole year and at the end of each calendar year look at the big themes for the year. And that went over really well too, um, but it took me a little bit of time to kind of get it under my belt. Um, and that was about the time that things started going, you know, really wild. Hmm. Collectively, we started seeing great big changes with, you know, the government in the United States of America, Brexit started kicking up in the UK. I mean, there was all kinds of shifts and I was just watching going, oh my goodness. Um, and the accuracy, it made me a little nervous to, to kind of foreshadow for a whole year, but, you know, it panned out. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did it again, looking at 2017. And again, the larger themes panned out. Well, I as I was preparing for 2018, and, and I did it earlier than I had the previous two years, I could see some major things starting to kick up. Um, and I, uh, everything that I was looking at told me this was going to be the year of power, money, and women. And Jay, <laughs> we're only at the end of, you know, what's, we're not even at the end of February. And the cultural shifts around those three major themes are huge, bit, way bigger than they were last year um, in, in terms of, you know, just being a month and a half in. Um, so I can't, I really can't wait to see what the, the rest of the year is going to bring. There's going to be major shifts in how we talk about money, um, money making, um, money systems. Um, I, I was even reading a post the other day that Fast Company published a post that said, so are we ready now to talk about the fact that capitalism itself may be the problem? And I was like, wow, that's talking about money, all right. Right, um, and that was at Fast Company? Fast Company. So when mm. things like that start showing up, mm. um, you know that w- what this crazy thing called astrology can do is pretty wild. You know, the the accuracy, I can't explain why it does what it does. And I can't explain why I have an uncanny gift with it. What I can say is it's accurate and accurate and accurate so often that I just stopped questioning it anymore. Um, Bannon in the United States gave um, a couple of extraordinary interviews and essentially said, look, you know, the way this is going, patriarchy's out the door. Women are rising up and I, I, you know, it's going to change our culture. And I was like, well, there's another sign. If someone like Steve Bannon is worried. Being yeah. Steve so Bannon, where's like, as you're saying that those words yeah. sound pretty triumphant. <laughs> <laughs> to two women so, well but and when he was saying it i'm sure it was like oh they, oh yeah is- he's very yeah. concerned yep <laughs> and so that addresses power it addresses money and it addresses the place of women in the culture now when you've got power shifts like the kinds that are you know that are being pointed to um you, you got a lot of shifting stuff in the culture you got a lot of people who are going to be yay and those people are going yay they've never really had power before mm-hmm and they've probably got a lot of grapes because they haven't had power before and they haven't been treated all that well. So we got a lot of people who are coming into power who don't necessarily know what to do with it, but think they're going to be better than the folks who had it before. And that's mm-hmm. not, not always turning out to be true. So there's going to be some shakeups and it's not always going to be smooth sailing. And we need to ask ourselves some really important questions about those rising into power, those gaining power. Thank God. Um, and how we're going to deal with it and how we're going to deal with the people who who have held positions that have been they just assumed they'd always hold them of power and mm-hmm. I may I even say supremacy who you know they they're not quite sure what to make of this and what they can make of it they don't like and you're seeing an awful lot of that kind of backlash and so there's 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 some really extraordinary things like look at the black panther 
um, opening these last few months, uh, the, the hubbub about it and the fact that a, an entire population, a subpopulation, not just in the United States, but across the world is saying, we now have a story of our own. This is mm -hmm. the first time a film has ever been about and primarily played by an all black cast. Mm -hmm. about a black culture and, and a, a really positive story too. And a really positive yeah. story. Um, I was listening to someone who said, you know, this shows us a picture of what we would have been if slavery hadn't happened and colonization hadn't happened. If our people had not been torn away from where they came from, mm -hmm. it well, shows us what we might've been if, we, if we'd been left alone. And I was like, Wow. So I don't, there's, there's power shifts all over the place. There's new money and money system conversations going on all over the place. Um, I expect that we're going to see more changes on, on the front for women. Um, I think that we're going to see that across the board in government, education. Uh, we're going to see that in, in the workplace. We're going to see it all over the place. And again, not just in North America. We began this year with two. So I'm just going to talk a little bit of astrology really quick. We started with two major eclipses and we had a big one in the United States, uh, uh, two eclipses in the summertime. And those two back-to-back -back events started something really big. And we're going to see these major themes continue to be big and continue to rumble on through the rest of the year, shaking and moving things. And if you're a woman who knows it's time for you to shine and maybe step up and, you know, claim a place of power so that you can help make things better and you know it's your time to fulfill yourself, then this is a very good year to be doing it. Just... What, the only thing I would say is if you're unaccustomed to handling power, wielding power, you might want to ask yourself some really thoughtful questions about what that means. Mm -hmm. We assume as women that we're going to do a better job than the guys did or have. Um, I, I would question that assumption. You know, what's it going to take for us to handle it better? Yeah, that's a really good point because what we've seen in the past, and of course, as you say, we're kind of coming into a new era, but the people who think they're going to change things end up being just like the people that they replaced. Yep. And often. that is the risk. So, um, and you know, in the me too movement and the times up, we're seeing a lot of very extraordinary, um, beautifully minded women move into front and center. They're moving into the lead. They're doing it in ways that are collaborative and cooperative. And, you know, there's a lot of really positive things going on. And there's more than a handful of, you know, women who are snarky and, uh, you know, understandably so. Um, given what they've been through, given how they've been treated, it's understandable. And that's the place to watch. You know, do we do we use the power we're gaining that way or do we use the power we're gaining in ways that really do change things as you said are we going to become what we're trying to change yeah i think the real fear is that the oppressed becomes the oppressor right yeah. which which all too often does happen all too often does happen we are in my opinion, looking at the map for 2018 and on into 2019, because there's some big things that are that started the end of last year and, and are running all the way through into 2019, is 
Um, this is a watershed moment. There there's no mistaking it. More people than ever are feeling called. Um, more people than ever are really curious about what their purpose is and wanting to fulfill it and to do so in a way that affects their work life but affects their public life too. Um, there are a lot of people who are just feeling it's time to get involved, but they mm -hmm. want to do it in a way that actually does make a difference. So people are asking new questions. They're, they're being very thoughtful and that makes me very hopeful. Mm -hmm. So you talk about calling and you mentioned that you, you help people answer their current calling through business. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you mean by current calling. Isn't there just one, like I'm called to be blah <laughs> yeah. in my lifetime, uh, but it sounds like maybe not. Well, um, this is one of the things I learned from, from doing this work. Um, every life has an overarching purpose. One main thing that they're up to. Um, they address it using their talents and gifts, but they do it in ways that are not commonly understood. There's a whole lot more to it than we've ever understood. And if, if I hadn't, you know, this crazy astrology thing hadn't asked me to, you know, become a student of it, I probably wouldn't know it any more than anybody else. One of the things that this has taught me is that we have, each of us has a purpose, no two ways about it, but we have multiple callings. And um, callings are like developmental stepping stones that help you shift into purpose, like kind of grow into it by applying yourself for a shorter period of time to a particular kind of thing. So for example, I took radio broadcasting. Well, I didn't finish. Um, and then four years later, five years later, or two decades later, I end up on the radio in Toronto um, because I join a mastermind and a producer happens to be sitting next to me, what are the odds? Mm -hmm. uh, and then another decade later, and I'm using internet technology that didn't even exist when I was training um, in college for broadcast radio. Um, all of a sudden, technology is available like this that allows you to, to record, produce, and broadcast from your laptop computer. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden... Um, the, the shifts and changes in the world have made it possible for me to take that initial sense of, I think I'm supposed to be doing something with my voice, go get training. So that was me answering this sense of calling. But I also got the feel that that wasn't going to be it. There's a roadblock here. That doesn't sit. That doesn't work. Disappointed, confused. I'm quitting. And I carried that for decades until I ended up on the radio. And I was like, ding, 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 something more is going on. This isn't finished yet. And that prepared me. It taught me a lot about the field, the industry, what goes into it, how it gets done. So that another decade later, when it's time for me to start doing things using technology so that I could broadcast my own show, I was ready. I knew what to do with my voice. I knew how to produce a show. I, I knew how to use that technology in my voice to advantage. What I didn't know is what I was gonna be talking about because I wasn't aware of what my larger purpose was. So calling to calling to calling are, are, are developmental. They are preparatory. Um, they help you address something specific. So I, I was making a difference while I was on the air in Toronto, but it wasn't the beginning and the end of things. 
And I just didn't know that. So what I began to realize is that everybody has a purpose, but we have multiple callings. And each calling is kind of like, you know, those, those dolls from Russia, they're hand carved and you open one set and there's another one inside and you open that one and there's another one inside. That's kind of what mm-hmm. callings are like. They're all dolls. They all look the same, but they're nested. And each one leads to the next piece. You can begin to feel when one calling ends and another one's beginning. If you know that there's more than one and how they work and interact um, so that you can tell that something's starting to come to a close so you can follow your sensibilities, your intuition, or, um, you know, people have lots of different names for it. So you can follow um, where the signs are now pointing to. And it, it tends to become a great deal easier to just follow your own life's direction from, from that point on. So often people use the word calling, I guess, to when they really mean purpose. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, if you think about it, when the notion of calling and purpose was first introduced to the culture, we lived uh, in a very different way. I mean, you're thinking about a couple of hundred years ago. Um, it was a largely agrarian society. Um, we moved at a far slower pace. The idea of someone having five or six or seven or eight careers over a lifetime. Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was the two things became conflated for the same thing. They became confused for the same thing. But as the pace of life has grown faster and the opportunities to address the needs of the culture as it shifts and grows and evolves has grown faster too. And what we're seeing on the whole is that um, our purpose introduces a new calling when our ability to fulfill ourselves while meeting the needs of the culture as they start to rise up, it means an, it often means a new calling comes. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So um, when the end of a calling for you plus the rise up of a new need that you could address because you have this, you know, unique set of talents and gifts and, you know, passions and experience too. Um, That means that you're a good fit to address it. And that's why some people will be in a career for three or four years and be like, you know, just isn't doing it so much for me anymore. Yeah. Um, it can be scary because uh, we grew up at a time, especially if you're 45 or older, we grew up in a time when, you know, we were trained or educated or prepared to think of, you know, one career, two careers, maybe. And that's just not how we're living anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why understanding there's a difference between purpose and callings and, and being more a clear about what your purpose is like what's your overarching purpose and what did you come to life built to do like what talents are you using what kinds of genius did you know that they work together did you know that how they work shifts and change depending on what's in front of you so it's not that you don't use the same gift but you might use it differently um and that and understanding that calling to calling to calling Um, There's a way to predict and feel out when one's coming to an end and another's beginning so that you can navigate those shifts and changes a lot more easily. These are things that we just, we we never talked about. We didn't learn. I mean, there was no course in high school or university for this. 
No. We weren't prepared <laughs> for this world. We're still not preparing our kids for this. So um, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to talk about it so more people begin to become aware of it so that things feel less confusing and you know, frustrating, maybe even scary. Um, and, and so they'll have a better sense of their own you know, their own life's intelligence, because it's always humming away in the background. We've just not been taught how to tune into it and work with it. Mm. So much more that I want to talk to you about, but we're almost out of time. So I have to ask you, what is one book or resource that changed your life besides your own, of course, that you would recommend to people? Really glad you asked that. So way back, remember I told you about the time that, you know, I had done all this work and I have this coaching and consulting business, but something still didn't feel quite right. And it was before the astrology thing really landed for me, et cetera. Um, I ran across a book called Callings mm. by Greg Lavoie that really helped me understand it was the first door open to, oh, okay, there's something going on here and it's not bad and I'm not crazy. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I just need to keep my mind open and keep asking questions. And it is one of the most beautifully written books ever. I mean, it's dog-eared. I've actually, I'm on my second copy because I reread it so often. Awesome. So if people want to learn more about you, learn more about the soul map, maybe schedule one for themselves. How can they do that? Uh, the soulmap.com is my home on the internet. Um, or they can find me on Facebook. Um, I am on Twitter, but I'm hardly over there. Sorry. Um, so facebook.com forward slash the soul map. Or you can just look for me, my name, Lisa, L-I-S-S-A Bowles, B-O-L-E-S on Facebook. And just Drop me a line, say hi. If you have a question after checking out the website, let me know. Awesome. Lisa Bowles, thesoulmap.com. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. Oh, my pleasure. Again, thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Lisa is such a good example of listening to that voice inside of you, no matter how crazy it sounds, and following your unique path with all of the gifts that you carry within you. I keep tabs on what Lisa's talking about. It really helps explain what's going on around me. If you get your soul map done, you will learn so much about yourself. It's very enlightening. If you have something to add to the conversation, please leave a comment on my Facebook page, First Class Live Solutions. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating, hopefully a good one. Follow the show so you'll be notified of new episodes and please share it with your friends. If you have a great story to tell and you'd like to be a guest on my podcast, please click on the link at the bottom of the show page, fill out the survey, and if it seems like a good fit, I'll be in touch. Remember, you can find links to previous podcasts as well as the recommendations of my guests on my website, firstclasslifesolutions.com. Next week, my guest will be author, speaker, publisher, Michael J. Sano. Mike began reading before he'd even been taught his ABCs, much to the surprise of his family. He began writing stories at an early age, too. In high school and college, he was editor-in-chief of the Campus Literary Magazine. The quality of his work led to multiple awards and honors. After earning his bachelor's from Lynchburg College, he went on to complete his master's in English from Binghamton University at the age of 24. Mike served in management positions for several companies, including director at a marketing research firm and assistant vice president at a Tampa mortgage company. He also taught composition at the college level. 
Mike became a full-time professional writer in 2001 and has since written more than 1,000 articles on a wide range of topics. His work has appeared in a variety of national publications, including Woman's Day, Entrepreneur, Red Book, Money, and Fortune. Since founding Sano Publishing in 2015, he has gone on to achieve national and international recognition, gaining over 15,000 followers on Twitter and publishing and selling three novels, Brothers Hand, Jana, and Miles of Files, both in the U.S. and abroad, as well as the short story collection Rides from Strangers. Mike Sano has ghostwritten books for entrepreneurs in the U.S. and continues to electrify audiences with his story and his natural gift for entertaining while informing. He's available for professional speaking engagements upon request. I hope you'll join us. Until then, cheers to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change, Redefining Success. is the EWN Podcast Network. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN Podcast hosts at ewnpodcastnetwork.com.